Right, well, welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike. Here's Halo Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at the BK Glue Guys, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller, something, Media, Empire. Why do you always have to change it up? Just Almighty it, Baller, dog. Almighty Baller. It's just, it hasn't All changed. You're mighty. the. <laughs> there is a parent company now. I think that's what oh, you're by the referring way, to. We'll talk about contacts later. Contacts? Isn't there like some contacts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you wear contacts? They do. Hey, why didn't you say so? Because it would have felt weird if I jumped in as your podcast partner and be like, "Hey, All right, I wear well, contacts." We're giving, we're, we're letting people in the <laughs> Georgia. Get out of here, um, dude! I'm fired up. This week has been awesome. You know why? <laughs> this week's been Your awesome. Our back. Um, no, just kidding. This week has been a disaster. But we're here to bring the positivity. Uh, despite all that, everything okay over there, Mike? Yeah, I'm, I'm playing around with levels probably too much, but yeah, you're yeah, good to go. You no, know, you're fine tuning. You're professional. You know, you have high standards. Um, but uh, yeah, so does that it was... bother yourself to hear yourself in your ear? No, I, I like it. it. I quite like it. <laughs> um, we lost to the Kings last night, Mike. Yeah, so that game stunk. The game before it stunk too. The, the game before that one stunk. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on, boy, the let's get it. Our back. <laughs> Let's talk about why the game stunk. Um, I think the beginning and the end, if you had watched the first eight minutes and the last six, felt like you would have got a good encapsulation of why this team is not playing well. Well, here's the big picture. Let's give it the 10,000-mile oh, view here. Mm-hmm. Um so the silver lining of D'Angelo Russell's okay. injury was that it gave positivity. I like it. Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert the you know minutes, the opportunity to kind of you know break out a little bit to shine. Um, but now they're doing too much. The workload is is killing them, and they're not good <laughs> enough to once a defense actually adjusts to account for the fact that they're going to be yes. the high utility players on the Nets. Um, they're going to get got. And so you see a lot of hero ball, quote-unquote, from, from Dinwiddie. But a like, lot of hero ball from Dinwiddie. Sure. But, I mean... Particularly that last shot. Yeah, I mean, look... Yeah, so I think people are eager to, like, pile on Dinwiddie, and and that's justifiable, but, like, um, who else are you going to give that shot to right then? I feel like if anyone... If I want anyone taking that shot, I, I want Dinwiddie to do it. I don't trust Alan Crabb. Yes. I don't trust... I, I guess Joe Harris on a wide open three is all I take, but like that's about the best shot this team can take. That's right the now. best shot you could take, and that that's going to be available is probably well. One thing about Joe Harris that he, so, I don't understand. Okay, let me let me double back and just finish yeah, that point. Double back. D'Angelo Russell needs to come back in order okay. for this team. <laughs> Good point. To be, to <laughs> that's be, your coach advice. Hey to, Kenny. To close, you should go to the press conference to close out these games because he's good. He's really, really good at closing out games, and our team, in his absence, is really bad at yes. it. But come on, boy! <laughs> so yes, so that is the thing. What I was going to do today was talk about the losses that if D'Angelo had played in the game, that they would have won. That the Nets would have won. That Kings game is. A prime prime example. I was trying to figure this out. What would be like the range of points that the team lost by that you would say D'Angelo had impact? I initially said five Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to overstate D'Angelo's impact. But then if you look at all the games where they would have lost by five, they've only would have won one or two more games in his absence. Um, But it's uh, so like that's the whole thing that we've been talking about. Remember, there's the discussion earlier 
in D'Angelo's injury history when people were saying, is the team better without him? No, is who it, was saying this? People were saying, because Dinwiddie was blowing up yeah. and that the overall process, the ball was moving more yeah. with Dinwiddie running point guard as opposed to D'Angelo. But what you're missing is the guy who can do something all on his own, no matter how much pressure is around him, no matter what time it is in the game. They don't have that right now. And yeah. that's why you get that Dinwiddie shot at the end of the Kings game. And let me just say something to you, to you, to the Twitterverse out there, or whoever else, who's reaming, uh, uh, or sorry, railing on, on Kenny Atkinson for these rotations. Like, dude, do you really want to grind Karis Levert for 38 minutes to eke out like an extra two wins this season? Right. That's not what you want to be doing. I'm sorry. Like, you know, like he's just not, just not super. Also, he's not kind of worth. He's not worth doing. Like, it's I don't know that like that even really helps big you, bang for your buck out of so, it. Like, so people are just like, "Oh, these rotations are terrible." It's like, dude, we're not even playing for that this okay, season. Okay, but I man. will say, Joe Harris had so Joe Harris made that comeback happen at the end of the Kings game. He was fantastic. And that for like he kept this team in it and in close at it, and he wasn't in at the end of the game. He had to be in on the floor at the end of the game. There's this allegiance fine, fine. to Alan Crabb that I. Still don't quite understand. Is that, is that allegiance, or is it they want to actually recoup some value for this investment? Yeah, I know. <laughs> is, that, is that? I know. It's so bad. Yeah. He's not. He's not terrible. Again, I know. I kind of like, we kind of blew this up. He's having a very bad start to the season. But and and what do you what do you do? So you bury him on the bench and be like, okay, so Alan Crabb experiment is over now. He doesn't close out games. He doesn't do anything. Is that right? But I I still think so. Quincy AC. I'm not going to blame the last play on Quincy AC that where he fumbled the ball completely. <laughs> Dude, he shouldn't be on the floor regardless at the end of the game. That slow motion of his, oh, uh, no. like, <laughs> like sliding on yeah, his, just staring like up seal like a coming seal. in. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I have to turn that into a gif. That's, we have to, uh, we have to put that up consistently I should, I should on our social that. media feed. I know, I know how to, and I should. It's just I'm lazy. Um, he should not have been on the floor at the end of the game. Offense. If you have an, if you're going offense, defense, or if you have the possibility of going offense, defense, you can't leave Quincy AC on the floor. And Joe Harris had to be on the floor. I'm sorry, Joe Harris is the most sound offensive weapon this team has right now. It's yeah. it's the very fact that he could, and he was out there on that last possession holding the ball when they couldn't get the ball in, you know, into Dinwiddie. Yeah, he he blew the inbound pass. Can I say about that Dinwiddie shot though? I think that's like a trick of the camera angle that it looks worse than it is because I think if we get the flip angle of that, which is him coming off the screen towards us, towards us on the TV, he looks much more wide open taking that three. Where like he looks kind of trapped in the corner, yeah, not in the corner of the three point line, but just sort of in the corner where that like juts out right there. It looks bad on the opposite side of the floor, but if it's coming towards us, we like it. Um, the Kings game is frustrating mostly for me though with that first quarter. Let me just say also, if yeah. Dinwiddie doesn't take that three and you're, what, swinging the ball around to Quincy AC, the odds that it dribbles off his foot out of bounds is, like, it, tenfold. What, like, what happened? Yeah. I like, still can't believe Damari shot didn't go in off the, that rebound. At the very least, a Dinwiddie prayer three is a, is a is an opportunity to score, whereas, like, we couldn't even get the ball inbounds for, for the last two possessions of that game. And Dinwiddie's a, a really smart player. I think there's he knows, and he's done this a lot, He's done that a lot where he just immediately comes down the floor and shoots a three because most teams aren't expecting that to happen. Yeah. And he – I'm not saying that's a 40% shot like his normal three-point percentage, but it's a decent chance that goes in more decent than swinging the ball around and yeah. hoping you get someone open, which isn't going to happen. 
Um, well, so and also, like, I don't begrudge them for blowing it in the last like minutes of that game. I begrudge them for sucking all the way up until that through the entirety yes. of that game. And that's what I want. The, it's the first quarter they give up thirty six points, yeah, something like that. And what's frustrating about this team is that, like. All across the NBA, you can bang on defensive intensity. Like, that's just pretty much for whatever team you're looking at. You can be like, they could be better defensively. But this team often will come out and they will act like defense doesn't matter, that we're waiting to get the ball in the next possession. It's not terrible defense. It's just that there's no sense that any of these guys are putting effort in on defense. You know who was putting effort in on defense? Joe Harris. I'm yeah. telling you, man. You see, I think John Schumann tweeted like <clears throat> December 10th or something when we were still winning games, or maybe 5th or something, um, that we had the highest defensive rating in December. Um, we were we had won a couple games or whatever. And, uh, we or, were looking fine. We were looking okay. We were looking like a surprise, <laughs> maybe good team. Remember, remember when those we, days? Remember when we argued uh, that we said, I think it was last pod, when I was like, they're going to go on a five-game losing streak, and you're like, to now would be the time to do it. And I was like, yeah, but it'll probably happen later in the season. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no, it's happening. We're, we're in it. <laughs> yeah. They have an extremely tough schedule coming up. They have a five-game road chip after playing the Wizards at home on yeah. Friday night. Um Quick stat for you, okay? This isn't like a mind-blowing stat. This isn't going to revolutionize your thought of basketball, but it's something here, okay? okay we'll try In the Nets' losses this season, they've given up 117 points per game. In their wins, they've given up an average of 100 points per game. That's not like a small margin, mm, right? No, that's a big margin. That's a big old margin. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the difference between winning a game and losing a game, Brian? Is it the defense? It's like, the defense. It and the I'm defense? just saying, we love Atkinson, and I would I would say he's an A minus coach for them right now. Okay, Re regardless of I th I mean, weird I still, rotation. I still sometimes. think it's an incomplete. Like you know, we're not still. If the goal is as I yeah. think it is, like player development with giant air quotes floating around it, yeah. then and you're looking at quotes. like Ronda Hellas Jefferson's growth, Karis Levert's, and Dinwiddie's. It's like okay, then yes, you've you've achieved it. You you. Have value now, whether it was where there was not value. Absolutely, and he yeah. is Mister Player Development. He's succeeding at the thing he's doing. It's not like a football coach he's brought in to coach a quarterback, and then the quarterback sucks. Yeah, he's brought in to coach player development, and these guys are developing. And and even Jared Allen is catching some attention now. He's there's he's being written about as like throw-ins yeah. on these like who's who's a good rookie this year. Um, yeah, like honorable mentions. I still. Oh, yeah, we, you, I have, you I have a, a little piece about yeah, but I there's still. I know he's super young and inexperienced, and it's hard to be a big man and just be thrown into the middle of the, an NBA team. But there are still so many times when he's close to the rim and should be able to score, and he just can't. Yeah. Unless if he's dunking the ball. I know that's tough. He's I'm 19 just 19 years old. He's got. He's just. He's, he's just, just a. You're just a baby boy. You don't know, know any better. Um, Kenny Atkinson. Okay. Uh, Okafor impressions. We've only seen him play for one game. But what do Speaking you think of, of which, him? This is coming up. Cheer boy. Ready, Rose. He's got a hot take on Okafor. Um, here it comes. Robbie, thanks for hitting us up. Everybody, send your MP3s or M4As if you're hip with it to. Please uh, don't send M4As. Actually, don't. It's send fine. M4A. We can handle them. But MP3s are the best. If you can do it, MP3s. M4As, I can handle. Send I just have to do three extra clicks, which dot, I don't like to do. Dot waves. You're. you're Oh, but you can handle M4As can handle on those. Oh, on. you're fine. You're fine. Here, here, this is an M4A. Um, here it comes. Thanks, Robbie. Here's the hottest M4A on the market. 
What's up, Brian and Mike? This is Robbie Rose calling to see what you think about the way the Nets are handling Jaleel Okafor's minutes. Do you think there's something more to it than that they just want to condition him more and fit him into the system better before they start giving him regular minutes? I listened to some interviews and read some articles, and I'm not sure what to make of it. But I do know what to think about Nick Stauskas' first performance. Nick Ross! <laughs> Classic. Wow. Robbie Classic. bringing in alternate sound. I love it. Um, so I have a conspiracy theory about Julie Locafor, and I think it's dead on. It's not really conspiracy. It's just my my opinion. Your theory is dead on, yes. So um, uh, where, what game was it? There was – I can't remember. Anyways – after they traded for Jaleel Okafor, there was two games where he got DNP, coaches' decisions, and on the second game, there was chance for Jaleel Okafor from the crowd, right? Yes. I think that this this Jaleel Okafor thing has been managing the PR rollout of a player who is not ready to to, to see court time at all. So you, you, you go into that Toronto game, and you see the trajectory of it. It's, it's already going to be a difficult game to, to, to win. Toronto playing well recently, yada, yada. Um, they know that for PR reasons, people want to take a look at Julie Okafor. That rollout, uh, they gave him, I think it was like 25 minutes, way more than they should if he was gassed, and he looked really bad. He looked like if you really scrutinize him on every play of that game, he almost does nothing good. He sometimes will say he sometimes scores the basketball. <laughs> put that at, on his movie poster. At the end of... <laughs> almost does nothing good. But like, he had a a straight like six minutes of just total like all of the the warning signs that you heard about Jaleel Okafor was like ow yes right there like he's like creating spacing issues he's slow to rotate he's not doing you know he's not boxing out basic stuff that everybody should know to do at this point um and he's blowing it all over the place so if you're um so from from management and I think both Marks and, and Atkinson is in on the on the game here from their perspective, they get to say, "Oh, hey, look! Like we we did this. He's just not ready. Like we need to be. We need to play the like good guy coaches. Build up his confidence. Talk about confidence boosting. Talk about endurance. Talk about all this stuff." Um, did you see, by the way, the hullabaloo thing in uh, Philly after some quotes about it was actually a misrepresentation of Julia Locafor's quote, which I thought was interesting. What was that? It was some. Um, there's an article on Nets Daily about it, but. Um, it starts with brouhaha. It was brouhaha in Philly. Um, but basically it was like um, the Nets have actual coaches and there are like are doing this versus the Nets are actually coaching me or something like this. There's some there's some operative oh, sure. context there that's out of place. Um, anyway, so it's like people are – it's all blown out of proportion, bottom line. But Like I, everything in Philly. Yes. Those fans oh. are – those fans may be bottom five. Something in the, the water NBA down right there. Um but anyways, um, so I think that the, it was all um, very systematic. I think they knew what they were doing. They they knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to show too much of him so that there would be some f- cracks, you know, some flaws showing pretty prominently so that they could justifiably then give him the DNP coach's decisions for many weeks after that he probably needs <laughs> to get back into shape, learn the system, and be, like, better at basketball um, because – I love that theory. I, and I think it's true. I mean, honestly, I think they just, they should, like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it that, like, right, uh, right. It'll come to me. It'll come to me in a dream. But it, so I don't necessarily agree. Okay. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> but it it is interesting that they, he hasn't been able to find minutes at all for him. And 
There's just so much that like I feel like more than any player I've ever seen with the Nets that they are making such a case that he is not going to play right away, that we're going to slow roll this, that he's not ready. That This is someone who was successful his rookie year. He's been on an NBA roster for three years. This Anthony Bennett got more run initially than Julio Okafor. Yeah, but he's not, I mean, like, he hasn't played in a very long time. Um, sure, he hasn't, he's, but he's, he's a human who's played basketball. AF, you know, and you don't, I mean, I, I do think, like, you know, not not just for PR purposes, I think the PR thing is is to necessitate or to facilitate this this very very long slow rollout, like they'd be like, "Hey, we did it. We we showed you what he was what he was doing, and it wasn't that great. So we need to work on it." Um, and I think that that's like, you know, I think ultimately like the slow rollout is probably pretty necessary because he did look just fundamentally out of place. Like, and with a, a guy like that with confidence issues and all that stuff, you can't just be like, "Yeah, get out there and suck for ten minutes a night, and like you'll probably be good." You know, that'll be good for you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that's true. He's he's got. There's obviously a lot of emotional unpacking to do with this guy. He's got I, he's got issues. And I'm still of the mindset that I want them to win games. Like it's not like they should ever tank because there's no benefit to tanking. But I'm still of the mindset that please win some games. Please try to be somewhat competitive. Don't throw away all of winning basketball just for development's sake. Like yeah. I don't want them we don't want the carousel vert 35 minutes a game, but what we do want is keep playing Damari Carroll who ultimately isn't going to matter for your future besides a trade asset. Keep playing Tyler Zeller because I enjoy him on the basketball floor, and I actually think he he may have some sneaky trade value for a playoff team. Like, he could fit on someone's bench, and I have some Joe Harris trade ideas for you. Ooh, What's interesting exciting. was that I had in my notes for last episode, I was going to do Joe Harris trade ideas before this buzz was happening, and I was mm. like, you know what? I'm going to save it because I, I don't know if this is going to hit peak Joe Harris trade time. And then almost immediately, we're getting stories in the post, netsdaily.com, Joe Harris's trade value. People are talking about it on podcast. Mm-hmm. He is sneakily uh, one of the most valuable bench guys you could add to any. He's like the bullpen pitcher yep. for any team in Major League Baseball going into the postseason. Um, Jaleel. Julia Okafor directly affects your ability to win games negatively at this point. Yes. At this point. That's 100% true. And that's why I don't It's at the expense of agree. Taking, right, yeah. taking a look at his, his value. And, and that's why I'm fine with him getting DMPs. Also, like, there's this other aspect that we talked about, the contract, that they can't offer more than $6.54 million. So, yeah. I don't think he's going to get that. I think it's obvious that <laughs> You're he's trying to undercut his value for, for that strategic well, purpose. Well, there is... Uh, other people's conspiracy theories is that they know what such a good thing that they I have. I think that's a dumber conspiracy yeah. theory than mine. I'll be, I'll be honest. But, like, I don't agree with the fact. I also don't care about him as much because he's not a homegrown player. He's brought in for nothing, essentially. I love Trevor Booker, but he also doesn't matter for the future of this team. And I ultimately, because there's a limit to how much they can hold on to him for the future, I don't really care about how good Jaleel Okafor is. Like, I just don't. Yeah. Also, Stauskas is not. Your thoughts on Stauskas? Not, I mean, I just saw too many times he just shoots the ball and doesn't look like it's good. He shoots it straight, and he looks like a guy who, he always sets his feet well, and he always seems like someone who should be a really good shooter. Um, like, he, he moves around the court well, and he has an awareness of where he needs to be and how to get off his shot. He's very good at, like, quickly putting it up, but it doesn't go in. It's got the Karis LeVert shot, Some, something, the Michigan form or something, whatever. There's something is. going on. There's something in the water. Well, we shouldn't mm. talk about 
Um, that's a different part. That's, that's a different part of Michigan. <laughs> um, but there, uh, I, I disagree. I disagreed initially with the fact that the Booker trade was about a second round pick. And if if this continues, where Okafor doesn't play and Nostowskis looks, what Stauskas has been, which is he went to the Kings and he stunk. He went to the Sixers and stunk. And he'll probably come here and not be much better. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they like Okafor and they wanted him because they think he's good. Like, that's, I, I yes, think that's, that's what the I case. think. And, but they're just trying to, you know, manage this asset correctly. I think they're doing the, the right thing. It's, it's the slow moving, not super fun thing to watch, but, and it's going to make fans all butthurt for a little while. But so I don't know if you saw, but Milton Doyle, our I know, boy. I know you're amped on that. So I did. I did you're, do a you're poll. You're leading gotta, the the Twitter. I gotta find the uh, poll that I did. Oh my gosh, where is it? Um, I'll find that later. I did a poll on on Twitter, and I appreciate everyone who participated, including Milton Doyle's mom. Uh, thank you, Mama Doyle. Uh, who would you rather have right now, LeBron James or Milton Doyle? And overwhelmingly, people wanted Milton Doyle. So I appreciate everyone who understood that poll yeah. and appreciate. Get like you know, twenty more years on that career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and his contract's way better. Yeah, yeah. He's a tradable asset. You can't trade LeBron. Exactly. Um, Milton Doyle hit a game winner last night. If we're going to look for positives in the Nets universe, last night against the Windy City Bulls, double overtime game, Milton Doyle hit a floater, game winner, buzzer off. Mm. Backboard, ball in, buzzer off, game winner, rushed the floor. It was fantastic. Sounds tight. He went, he went for 23 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. Let's get Milton Doyle up to the Nets, right? Yeah. Can we do that? I don't understand really like how the G League works. Like I went and looked at like who's leading the, the G League in points and stuff, and there's like you know guys I've never heard of, obviously that are like you know averaging rushing it, yeah, right? in the, like thirty points or whatever. But you know sometimes they'll be like thirty three years old or something, or like sometimes they'll be and I, I just and also sometimes they'll be twenty years old. And like okay, so where's like what is what is averaging thirty points in the G League? How common is that? Where does that get you ultimately? Well, and like so, Isaiah Whitehead was the leading scorer for the Nets, and I think he had like twenty-five, seven, and seven. Yeah. Okay. And I think we know what Isaiah. We like we like Isaiah Whitehead, but I that's insane. Like? Yeah. So I think if you correlate that to the NBA, he would be averaging four, one, and one. Right. So maybe you you so have that, everything. That math. Download it by whatever twenty-five percent. Um, the only thing I look at for G League stats is literally three-point percentage. It's like if you just look at three-point percentage and see who's shooting well, I think that's the only thing you can really, really correlate, right? Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, same three-point percentage. Um, Rebounding. Let's bring Milton Doyle up. D'Angelo... Sorry, what? Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say rebound. Like this, this uh, season in particular has been sort of a referendum on the value of individual rebounding because Houston has been such an amazing rebounding team with like basically only Clint Capella being a notably good rebounder. Right. I think re- where there's going to be a rebounding revolution at some point. It's Team maybe happening is, right has, now. Has, has, I mean, this is what the Brooke Lopez um, apologists have been always saying. It's like, for, as far as team rebounding goes. Yeah, me. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, they're not wrong. So, but, yeah. Um, and I do think there's, like, we're going to come to a point where we realize getting a rebound is as important as creating turnovers. Like, if you mm-hmm. are just a dominant rebounding team, which used to be the thought in basketball, yeah. it's essentially creating a turnover <laughs> in its own way. Um, I had a, not to derail this. I had an interesting conversation last night about what's more valuable, a steal or a block. And I was arguing that a block was more valuable than a steal, but they were arguing that a steal is more valuable than a block, and for various reasons. But 
part of the value of a steal is that it infers a change of possession, whereas a block doesn't necessarily, which I think is a, a valuable point. But I was saying steal denotes a different, uh, like a less mature offensive possession. So like at the end of a play, like so a, a block denotes basically a shot that's from somewhere. So that's like an opportunity to score. But a steal, you know, that could happen at any point. That doesn't necessarily mean that the shot was going to go up. There could have been a series of events that led to a turnover, whatever, yada, yada. It's just like statistically, I'm trying to find out what's more valuable, blocks or steals. And I think the guy who can block shots is more valuable than the guy who can make steals. Well, it's more uncommon, I would say. What, a steal? Uh, Steals are probably more broadly, like... God, how do I uh, how do I even say this? But like, so steals are the are it's rare to be like a uh, high steal person, whatever. Like, get over two steals a game, like that doesn't really happen, or it does, but like it's really rare. Whereas like you can have guys that have like three blocks a game, and that I mean that's very rare. But like, so just on a but there are more level. of those three block guys and right. two steal dudes, right? And then like there's you know everyone can sort of average like point nine steals per game, or whatever, just by virtue of playing a lot of basketball minutes, you know. Well, and like in like the way there'd be guys who can hunt for blocks, hunting for steals is almost more damaging to a team just yes. because if you're hunting for steals and you don't get it, you're leaving just wide open defense behind exactly. you for the most part. And the guy who can block three blocks a game is impacting eight other shots right that's three shots per game but which is to say that like if you hadn't stolen that ball like would that have dribbled out of bounds would that have yeah whatever like it doesn't i don't know you know you get what i mean yeah and it's it's un it doesn't being a good a steel artist like chris paul or john wall doesn't necessarily translate to being Dude, john wall has not been stealing the ball this year and it's, well, it's a problem for my fantasy squad right he's now he's kind of been i mean he's been bad yeah he's not been a good basketball player what's going on dude uh some people would say it's injury is stuff. it migraines Migraines. I love talking about the migraines. It's tough, man. It's tough out there. Right, uh, D'Angelo injury update. Speaking of injuries and point guards and terribleness, mm-hmm. um, I think we are about five weeks since the injury. The injury was November tenth. I was looking up something around then, mm-hmm. and so well, let's ever five six weeks away. Two weeks ago, Kenny Atkinson said he was not. D'Angelo was not running yet. This is supposedly a six to eight week injury or surgery. Um, you know, when you estimate from other injuries. Right now, um, we have no information, again, from the Nets of exactly where things are. The reason why timelines are helpful is because it creates some type of understanding where if you say he's at least out for seven weeks, there's no questions for seven weeks. Whereas what they're doing is they're saying he's out and we're not really going to tell you when he may come back. We'll tell you that he's maybe running. We'll tell you that he's putting up shots, but we're not going to tell you any idea of when he could come back um there is a bubbling sense out there brian bubbling mm-hmm. sense that the nets management is not quite responding correctly to this d'angelo injury thing mm-hmm. that they're not appreciating the fan base on this and that it is annoying as a fan when you combine losing and lack of information on the, about the team's biggest player there's some unrest out there there's unrest, Brian. Do you not feel is it? it? Is it? I mean, this is par for the course at this point. I mean, the <laughs> like, let's, you know, I'm not worried about it. Whatever. I mean, I am worried about it. I'm just, it's just par for the course. I don't you know don't what care? they. Do. I don't. I mean, what do they want me to do? They want me to all of a sudden care? Like they've they've ruined that for me. I don't. <laughs> that's what that's what happens. You're just sowing the seeds of. It's not. It's not that I. You're not going to inspire feelings. You're gonna. That you're gonna start uh, inspire the antithesis of feelings. It's just I don't care. Beautiful. So thank you. That's PR. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, one last thing. So I do want to do this. And if you're the trade bumper to guide us in here. 
trades. Mike's trade ideas. <laughs> A classic. Things that probably won't happen. <laughs> is this new? Bad ideas. Is this, this is good. Trades. We don't really know what's going to happen. Probably not the things we're about to say. It goes on. It just goes on and on. Um, Joe Harris. Uh, he scored 14 points last night against the Kings. He is one of the more reliable three-point shooters in the league when open. Um, we talked about his stats compared to Alan Crabb last episode. He's essentially the same player uh, as Alan Crabb, and Alan Crabb's getting paid $19 million a year. Alan, uh, Joe Harris is getting paid $1.5. Everyone could use – and Joe Harris is a free agent next year. So that's sort of the key of this is that it's unlikely that the Nets are going to want to throw a bunch of money at Joe Harris just because – it, it, there's not there is value there of course but it's also like what do you you're not going to pay him a ton of money and alan crab when they never play together it's like very rare that they're on the court so put together some couple of trade ideas i mean there's been buzz out there when they made trade mm. um so the goal is how much is it worth to a contender to get a guy on an expiring deal mm-hmm. um who does one thing well well i honestly like he does one thing well and then a lot of things pretty good He's he he is serviceable in no. a bunch of other areas, right? No. Like he's not he's not this disaster. I always bring up Anthony Morrow, but like basically Anthony Morrow stood there and just shot threes right. and did nothing else. Or old school Mike Miller, which was old. I mean, old man Mike Miller, which is like I'm just going to stand here and shoot threes. Yeah, Joe Harris does do stuff. He was playing defense last night, like he was like pretty good diving on the floor, doing great. He makes things. good cuts. He's a good. He's got a good head for for uh, where to be. And like I said, he's a guy who is like a bullpen arm for a team in baseball. Mm-hmm. You could put him on any roster. He fits right in. He'll make all the sense in the world. What is the value of a really strong three-point shooter? I would say it – so we base it off the Boyan Bogdanovich trade, right? Not that mm-hmm. Boyan was a fantastic three-point shooter. No, he was just slightly above average, I would say. But they were able to – the Nets were able to take on a bad contract – and give away Boyan an expiring contract mm-hmm. for a first-round pick. Yeah. Um, so I would say if the Nets are willing to take on a bad contract again and give away Joe Harris, they would get a first-round pick from a playoff. You think team. he's got Boyan type value? I think he's actually like I don't, now that was a special trade, right? That the Wizards were so desperate that they needed someone off their bench who could score, and Boyan was, I guess, the representation of that. I would say Joe Harris is more valuable than Boyan. Right, like, knows, understands what his game is about better than Boyan ever did, and he he fits onto any roster immediately. Yeah, he's a guard, wing guard who can come in and shoot threes. Like that is just easy to throw into your roster. Like you said, he moves with cuts and all this stuff. So here's a couple of my options: Zeller, who I'm throwing in here too, expiring contract, or I think it's a player op- or team option next year. It's a team option for next year, cheap amount of money, two million, I think. And I think he makes he just you just throw him in there just for fun. All right, Zeller just for fun. Okay, Joe Harris. Let's get fun. a first round pick from the Pelicans, and they take on Alex Ajinka's contract. So they get mm. Alex Alex Ajinka's or Ajinka's uh, deal, which is terrible, bad. Mm-hmm. Stick it with Mozgov's terrible, bad deal, and you just you have a little cluster of bad yeah. players who are probably nice guys, just sweethearts to have on your team. And you get a first round pick. The other possibility I looked at: the Bucks are a weird team still, and they need two more pieces mm-hmm. i think uh i don't know if they're so willingness to trade with the bucks but joe harris and you get dj wilson who was their first round pick from this year that we know the nets liked he was a power forward at michigan super athletic um 
who's in the D League, in the G League right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think Joe Harris is, is first round pick valuable? If you can, if you if you're willing to take on another kind of sort of not great contract, not a bad bad contract, but not a great one. Uh gosh, I don't know. It's always hard for me to know. Like I think <clears throat> I think Boyan made a lot more sense just because there was at least a, a longer pattern of that kind of you know middling success yeah uh, Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe Harris has had a, a good start to the season but heretofore has not really been anything noteworthy right so I'm not sure if like this is if in the minds of other GMs like this is sustainable and or you know if he's operating above the mean or or he'll have a regression to the mean soon um which it's I mean like I think I think it is sustainable for me personally just on my you know eye test but what do I know um I think probably I don't know. It's a. I think it would be a pretty big risk at this point for for any team to take on Joe Harris and assume that he's just going to come in and shoot forty percent from three point line. An interesting, and this is like sort of my mystery move here. The interesting power move would be if the Cleveland Cavaliers traded their own first round pick, which they have the ability to do for Joe Harris. Yeah. And what that would end up doing is that actually I think it would stop them from ever being able to trade the Nets pick mm-hmm. currently, and it could be like a subtle move against LeBron because I think there's a belief there's a report out today I don't know if you saw it from Ian Begley that uh, Carmelo before going to the Thunder had talked to Chris Paul and LeBron James this is when Chris Paul's in Houston Mm -hmm. he had talked to them too and saying why don't we all just go to Houston Mm -hmm. Uh, Melo saying I'll force a trade there now LeBron Mm -hmm. you a free agent you just come to Houston and then we'll all be there together and that was the goal um LeBron's leaving, probably, and it would be and but this weird situation where they're contending for a title. They have the Nets pick. That's an asset that they could use right now to get better if they wanted to. If they gave up that Nets pick, they could get mostly anyone. They could probably get Paul George right now. Actually, um, a power move would be to give up their own first round pick, limiting them on they making them unable to give up the Nets pick. Mm-hmm. And they could still go to LeBron and say, hey, man, we tried. We tried to get better for this year. We gave up our own first-round pick. I'm just saying, secret power move, watch out for it. That's what Good. I'm going to say. I wonder what these what these Cavs are going to be like after after the fallout from... I was uh, listening to this um, snotty dripping James Holis. Uh, he's, uh, That's your boy. podcaster on, on Almighty Baller. Um, uh, he's got a new podcast called Dunk Tales. You should check it out. Uh, but he has this bit about how LeBron James is like... Uh, like Ivy, you know, creep like he like, you know, flourishes this big thing, but then slowly like kind of kills anything that it's like any franchise that he's onto. Um, that he, you know, totally just, agree with that. You yeah. know, just by virtue of of him sort of GMing like short term GMing stuff. It's a good it's a good analogy. I mean, like the the uh, Amon Shumper, J.R. Smith thing, yes. Tristan Thompson thing. Pretty much every move that you see the tentacles of LeBron. You know, being stuck onto it's bad. Are you excited that Tristan Thompson's going to have a kid with, with Chloe? I knew that was everyone knew that. I mean, that is it, that was so long. T- I'm happy for Chloe. She really wanted it. She's my favorite Kardashian. I like to see Tristan on the show. Who's your least favorite Kardashian? Probably Chris, the mom. Yeah, Chris Jenner. Yeah. Um. Yes, I would say yes. The <laughs> <laughs> why. The, Go on, go into that, dig in there. Well, like, so I've now begun to appreciate her a lot more because it's obvious, like, so for years and years and years, it was it, she just basically used her daughter's beauty and social media cred to make money off her own children. I mean, let's be honest, it goes further and more, you know, right with gr- the, gross than that yeah, with the tape. Yeah, Come with on, the tape. 
but I've also like grown to obviously appreciate her because she did use that stuff and has made all of her kids millionaires. And not that money's everything, but oh my god, my dog's stepping all over me. Um, not that that money's everything, but they seem to be a pretty happy family. They all seem to be besides Rob. They all do you watch the show? Is it? By the way, have uh, you been watching Vanderpump? Of course I have, but we, oh we, can't, we can't let this get derailed. No, 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 it's real well, quick. That, yeah. Real quick, this is the best start to a season. It's dope. It's really dope. It's the best show. It's the best reality TV you could possibly get. Have you been watching Floribama Shore? I, know, I tried watching <laughs> Pretty it. Pretty disappointing. Uh, there was, I just plugged in, and there was a fight amongst the cast members about one of them brought home a witch. Yeah, a Wiccan. A Wiccan. Yeah. And there was anger at that. And then... Yeah. The the guy with the hair started crying because did you see that part when he started crying because one of the Maybe. girls said you don't treat women well and he just started oh, yeah. crying about that <laughs> I was like what <laughs> you're on this show like, I get to treat people <laughs> that's, that's amazing yeah you uh, kind of look like him ah uh, thank you I pre- <laughs> no, Gus Gus is his name it's just you know I get it man people treat me terribly because I treat women so well too you know <laughs> um it's a curse um anyways let's get this back on track what are we talking about. What's the last piece of business? Do we have anything left? No. No no scouting? What's that? This is the scouting drop. This is for draft picks. You know, we'll we'll use that after this big Joe Harris trade. Anything else you want to do news around the league? What do you got? Anything? Yeah, let's do let's okay. do a quick it's word from our sponsors. <laughs> Sorry. Word from our sponsors. Let's right. do a quick word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with news around the league. Uh tease. Jared Allen is at the news around the league. It's the news. All right, news around the league here. Um, Kyle Kuzma scored 38 points in Lakers win over Houston last night. Also, OJ Ananobi from the Raptors went six for seven from three, scoring 20 points, playing 30 minutes for the Raptors. I bring those two people up because Ananobi was drafted after Jared Allen, the pick after Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. And Kuzma, of course, was picked with the Nets pick. Um, while we're on this train, <laughs> this, is, this is some small sample size theater well, deluxe here. Okay, we do Kuzma. Know, I get, but come on, Ananobi is averaging twenty-one minutes a game for the Raptors, a playoff team. He's shooting what is? I have the numbers here: forty-seven percent from three, fifty-one percent from the field. Not o- impressive overall numbers. I think he's scoring seven points a game. But here's the point, okay? Um, we are in this mode of banging on marks, okay? Mm-hmm. We started the train about Alan Crabb, I think. Um, there's been some people saw what Okafor looked like and were like, I don't know if that's what we want. Mm-hmm. But I think that that trade is still a win no matter what. Getting a second round pick for Trevor Booker is great. And then you got two projects to play with. Yeah. Okay. People are angry that Sean Marks is not exactly being forthcoming about D'Angelo Russell. Uh, the Again, the Alan Crab trade is not great. Okay. But I will say, um, I think I looked over the entire 2017 NBA draft, and there are maybe literally three players that you would want over Jared Allen that were picked after Jared Allen. Kuzma is one of them. Maybe Ananobe, but, but that's not even a definite. And then Frank Mason for the Kings, who's been pretty good. But here's what I want to say about Jared Allen. Let's let's get in there. I think he was the exact right pick that the Nets could have made. 
Kuzma's the only guy that I think you have to take over him. And I think if if you're going to evaluate the NBA draft that way, right, it is so easy to say a team should have taken this guy over that guy. That happens all the time. There's all these guys like Draymond Green classically was drafted late in the draft. Kawhi Leonard was classically drafted way too late. Um, literally right now, there's only one guy I could definitively say he should have been taken over Jared Allen, and it just stinks that that guy was drafted with the pick that the Nets for some reason was in that trade, which I'm, I know why it was. It had to be in there. There's not a re- They don't just throw away a first-round pick, the Nets do. But I'm just saying I don't think we can yet <laughs> – we can't yet crush marks on drafting because I do think if you just analyze the rest of the draft outside of Kuzma, there's you no know, one else you'd rather I'm, have. I'm pained. I'm pained on this one. Like, look, we're looking at the long play, right? This isn't yes. This isn't just this year. And Kuzma, yeah, obviously is having a way better rookie season. Those skills, though, are more common. You know, what Jared Allen does, his position, it's this um, – say like a it's a rare thing you know it's a rare a pogo stick center guy who's young and lithe and like on track to be a sort of like mini d'angelo or no deandre jordan um maybe or whatever it is but you know a blt center of the future (laughs) if you will um so like yes like it's obviously like it's extra doubly annoying that it was our pick but i don't know that you can just blanketly say like that that was that that's that it's not going to work out first of all to be you know long term the better decision um like you're going to see like that players that play like Jared Allen are going to become super duper relevant in this new modern three point shooting BLT well, center and if we world. ever get uh Ronnie House Jefferson on the pod there's a guy at his school uh what is it DeAndre Dayton or Baton whatever he's this he's like seven foot one he can shoot threes he's bulky he actually looks like a young Shaq like looks like the mm-hmm. size that he has he's not going to be Shaq size because that that entered into an area which no players ever looked like before in the history of the NBA which is Shaq in his prime which is kind of fat mm-hmm. but yet super muscular and just a wrecker of people but that guy at, at Arizona looks fantastic there's a guy at Texas where Jared Allen went uh, Muhammad Bamba, I believe it is, who mm-hmm. is his wingspan seven foot nine, and he's super athletic. I think we're about to see a wave of centers who have been schooled that they've been taught you actually can't be post players. Yeah, but if you're super long and athletic and do these three things, which is catch dunks, set screens, and now to shoot threes, these actually these guys can do that. We're gonna find that like Jared Allen is super valuable, an yeah. athletic center. This will be like the, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about the Stromile Swifts and Chris Wilcoxes as they were just oh, ahead of their time. They God. missed, they missed their they window. Did. Chris yeah. Wilcox would have been pretty yeah. key right now in the NBA. Who's the other one? Eli. Um, Who? What this? What the heck? I mean, his like, name? would Akeem work be a center now or something like that? Type, right. Yeah. That guy. I mean, is he's a, a little bit undersized for. He was more in the. Marvin um, Begley may be a center in a lot of lines. Remember Area Fifty One, Sean Williams. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. He went to he's from he went to Yukon, right? Or but he went to Uh yeah, no. Was it Yukon? Yes. No, it was um Boston. Boston College? Yeah. He's from Maryland, I think. Anyways, um I okay. So I just want people like cuz I'm already kind of seeing that on the fringe of society is that like is Jared Allen the right guy for this team? I don't love him still. Like I'm not like obsessed with him. But I, there's a lot to like, and I think that he's going to be, in three years, when he's a 22-year-old, he's going to be pretty awesome. 
Um, it takes it takes those guys a long time too to co- to work into shape. Like DeAndre Jordan, we we talked about this, but he the, stunk for years. The like and also. In particular, they were like his defense is the problem. He sucks at defense, and that's not what you can say about Jared Allen right now. Like I don't, I don't know that anyone's, I mean, like over the moon about it. But I don't look at him and be like, your main concern right now should be defense. Um, second story, Please. Vince Carter. Uh, Vince Carter says, and he obviously was playing for the Kings, but he didn't play for the Kings, which is disappointing. Um, he says it would be a dream if his jersey was retired by the Nets. Brian, should Vince Carter's jersey be retired by the Nets? You know, I don't care for pageantry. I don't really. I don't find a lot. I always of... thought the opposite about you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I always thought you wanted rose petals every time you came to my apartment. I, yeah. I mean, for me, I like it, but for others, no. Um, <laughs> but no. Um, so I don't. I don't like. I. I think it's weird if you don't. I don't know. It's, it seems like a weird. Like I don't. I, I don't have a whole lot of opinions about it. Basically, so if it happens, it does. It happens. Like, I don't care. But I do think it, like he had a cup of coffee. Really, ultimately, with the Nets, like you know. Um, it was great, like we loved him, but like how much, how much real winning was being done here? Like we had a couple of forty, like mid forty win seasons, and that was dope. You know, we made it out of the first round a couple times, I think. Tight. Um, is that is that what it takes now to be getting your jersey retired? I don't know. Yeah, and that's how, like so. There's a lot of love for Vince Carter. Obviously, I just think that there's. Um he was playing on the team for five seasons, and you can't really reward someone for just five seasons of work unless if. Like unless if you're LeBron James who went to Miami and won, what do they win? Two championships down there? Just two. We're two ranking championships, right? But like if you do that, if you go in there, but is LeBron's jersey going to be put up in the rafters by Miami? Probably just because um, Miami's like a kind of smart organization and they know the value of having a LeBron jersey actually in the rafters. I would That's- like I would like an even more pageantry for that. Like I would like to really get in with the like cut well, it like in Kobe's. half. Do a ceremonial cutting the jersey in two <laughs> and then do two two of them <laughs> in in Cleveland and in Miami. And maybe even thirds if he goes to Houston what did they you start think of shows. the Kobe two numbers thing. Did, did they actually do that? They yeah, retired both numbers. Two jerseys. Two oh, jerseys God. of a place for Kobe. Dude, Kobe is so embarrassing. Like, for all of his, like, black mambaness, the amount of, like, yes. um, he has rewritten his BS own history he... more than any star <sighs> player. And I did, so I was like, not that anyone's listening to my podcast where I was talking to my dad because no one was recording this, mm-hmm. but I was defending Kobe for all those years that post Shaq when it was like he was on bad teams, partly due to his fault. He was still the best player in the NBA. But, like, this rewriting of that, some people are saying he's the greatest Laker of all time, which is bonkers that, like, Magic accomplished so much more than Kobe did, just, like, realistically. Um, I think doing, like, I don't don't love to participate in, like, taxonomizing who's the best and whatever. Like, I think that that's dumb. I will say I've I've been a disliker of Kobe's for a long time based purely on his personality. Like, respect (laughs) respect him as a basketball player. Not because he didn't want to be a net. No, I mean, sure. I mean, I guess maybe that's what the, the that's the crux of it, really. If we could, if I if I were talking to my therapist, then yes, that's what it would that would probably come down. You'd, <laughs> You'd be like, oh, oh that. that's why. <laughs> yeah, finally, but, it makes sense. But no, his whole like Twitter thing where he's challenging people, it's just like, dude, go go outside, just go some do something. <laughs> be a parent. Yeah, I understand yeah. that he's a fine parent, but just be more of one. I don't know, man. Don't it's just, something about his whole vibe. It just like. It's, it turns me off. You know, I've, I've, I pride myself on my EQ and just like my radar goes off with that guy. It's just like my jerk alert. 
I think he just entered this weird headspace because you know he was like he had that weird childhood where he's the son of a pro player, then he was in Italy, and but he's kind of a Philadelphian, yeah. And then he goes and he's in this weird space of like he doesn't know exactly where he should be in basketball right now. Like yeah. basketball was such a part of his it was his entire life, and so he feels like he still needs to be involved. But then he also has that like. Um, Sort of like what a lot of great stars, like the Frank Sinatra, Leo DiCaprio thing, where like they don't want to, they don't want to reveal themselves too much. They don't want to be too open yeah. out there in society. Like they don't want to be Charles Barkley on TV, yucking it up two nights a week. He doesn't want to be that, but he does want to be an influencer in some weird mystical way. And it comes out in weird tweets where he's challenging guys like Gordon Hayward after they get their leg broken in half. Um, <laughs> what did he challenge him to do? Didn't he like, get really good at League of Legends like, or something? Like, get better. Get back. <laughs> I challenge you to heal. Heal. Get back. Better Dude, than ever. I want to see. I feel like somebody was tweeting about um, uh, Gordon Hayward playing Jeremy Lin in League of Legends or something, um, and they need yeah. to make a, a Twitch event out of that if that's not already in the works. I think it's. I think it's out there. The video of that. Oh, it's already happened. Yeah. God, yeah. So late to everything. Um, last one for you. Uh, NBA All Star Draft. They this. So this year, what they're doing? It's a gimmick that's been done at least in the NHL, if not in other leagues, where instead of doing East versus West, they're doing uh, they're going to pick captains, and the captains are going to draft the team. And ESPN reported that the NBA is leaning towards not televising the draft, that you would know who's going to be on the overall roster, who are the all-stars, and then we'll get an email that'll get sent out and say, hey, this is LeBron's team and this is Kevin Durant's team, that this, that this draft is in public. Um, LeBron and John Wall both have come out and said, Let's have it on TV. Let's show it. Why not? We're all men. Mm. Let's just show it. Question to you, should it be a televised event? And if it is, would you even watch it, Brian? I don't like them just like picking the team. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, like if they do it in a funny way, then I'd be down. Like if there's a way that we could really do it. exhibit their personalities. If we do it where like they're not mic'd up and we just like have, you know, Dennis Scott talking about it, then <laughs> oh, actually just kill me instead. <laughs> but um yeah, if we could get them mic'd up and yeah, it'd be fun. I'd watch it. Well, like I think the only way you could do it. So one, there's two ways to do it. One is to have Drake do it because I think Drake hosting anything involving NBA players is funny, just because it's the only thing that I think he's good at. He's be, so he's so people, he's people are gonna hate me. That. I'm just joking. Everybody. He's he's very talented. Yeah, he is very talented. I saw him at Syracuse. He was great. He's very talented. He was great. Um, the other way to do it, and I think this is near and dear to our hearts, is to have all the players come together here in New York. Sit down with Andy Cohen of Bravo. Wow. Give Andy Cohen a week. Say, Andy Cohen, go away for a week. Investigate NBA players' lives. Okay? <laughs> Bring them all together and, like, set it up exactly the way you do, like, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the wow. after show. You know, the when they do at the end of the season, the confessional show. And sit them down. Have them confront each other about the Andy Cohen confronts them about different things. And then we draft. Because then you're going to get the emotion. Smart. Because right now, air it out. You're gonna. You're. It's. Not, I guarantee. Like people think. I think the thought process is. Oh yeah, I want to see Kevin Durant not pick Russell Westbrook. Yeah. The only way it's fun. Here's the fact. The only way it's fun is if one of the two captains starts picking players in a way to force the other captain to do something they don't want to do. So if Kev, let's say I'm just imagining it's Kevin Durant and LeBron are going to be the captains. Mm-hmm. If LeBron starts picking players and refuses to pick Russell Westbrook to see how long it goes. Oh, Russell, genius. That is fun. Yeah. But LeBron's not that fun. 
Kevin Durant, I don't know what the, the opposite would be. What would be LeBron's Russell Westbrook? Who's the guy that would be... Delvadova? That, that you don't want to stick at Delvadova. <laughs> Let's make a push to make Delvadova an all-star. Yeah. Um, the only other fun thing would be is that if LeBron just picked Banana Boat. I mean, I, like we want to make the Banana Boat happen in real life. Mm-hmm. And if that's the way it could happen, that would be fantastic. Well, did you say Carmelo Anthony was part of this Houston Rockets thing that they're trying to so yeah ian begley i guess he wrote yeah. a big story but you know when you get a bleacher report it sort of just right. gives you drips and drabs they it was that chris paul was already going to houston yeah and carmelo was trying to find a place to go we had reports for weeks right that carmelo wanted to go to houston and then i guess carmelo had spoken to lebron and chris paul and saying hey i'll go to houston now too lebron just come here in a year man just mm-hmm. just slide on over to year and they were talking about apparently how they'd match up with the Warriors. Um, yeah, Carmelo Anthony doesn't need to be part of that. Dude, I, I don't know if anyone has taken more of a hit this year than Carmelo. Like, because... He just isn't... That's, I mean, high volume, low percentage. What more do you need to, to know? Like, it's terrible. That's not a good combination. Literally the only thing he had, it's like an actor who was in one good movie early in his career mm-hmm. and then just never did anything, but we were always like, he can do that. Like, no. with maybe that, whatever that actor is, he can do that one thing. Miles Teller in Whiplash. Because <laughs> like, we haven't seen You didn't see War... Uh, what is it called? War Pigs or something? What is that? Uh, War Dogs. War Dogs. War Pigs. War Pigs. That's a yeah, Black that's Sabbath song. Yeah. Sorry. Um <laughs> Carmelo had Olympic Carmelo, and that was on everyone's mind that, like, this exists. This version of Carmelo, the perfect version, which is not the first option, not even maybe the second option, but the, the best third option you could ever won in the rest of your career. And we're like, oh, my God, we're about to get Olympic Carmelo. And then we get him mm-hmm. again, and he's not Olympic Carmelo. He's the same terrible dude. I mean, I've, I've always, you know, we're Syracuse grads. We're supposed mm-hmm. to like Carmelo Anthony. We got to we got to Syracuse after him, so we don't really care that much, right? Um, nope. I'm more, more of a more of a Paul Harris guy. More of a, a, a Terrence Roberts diehard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you I almost got. I, I've told you this a million times that I almost got in a fight with Paul Harris's cousin um, on the basketball court. Have I ever told you about the time that Dante Green? I was a, a bouncer, like giant giant air quotes on bouncer for a Theta Chi. Fra- yeah at a frat Can party. You say your frat or is yeah, that- Theta Chi. Uh, but I was like the bouncer because like at the when we were seniors, you had to start having actual bouncers. So I actually registered to be like a bouncer with a company just to do really. This. Yeah, is that like getting like your? Well, you can, like, I had out, a buddy who's doing officiate it. Weddings. Now? So yeah, so I just held the list basically, um, and I got paid like you know hundred bucks a night or something. So let's, 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 let's ride. Uh, <laughs> Dante Green got there, did not recognize him somehow. A like six foot ten yeah. dude. Um, and I was like, "Hey, Dante, sorry, you're not on the list." <laughs> and he was like, "I'm getting to, I'm going um, in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm heading into your home. Yeah, yeah. and I, I will like, take your woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dante Green, sweet guy. He was. He I remember. Was, yeah. I think he got hurt with Syracuse or whatever. Something happened with him, and he would still play basketball at Archibald, which is like the terrible gym that he yeah. went to. Like he would just dunk on people like us. No, nah, I was doing the dunking. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I've never, I never did that. Um. So, yeah, Carmelo Anthony, if we're going to do a top three list of people who most have suffered this season in terms of reputation, I go Carmelo one, probably Russell Westbrook two, because like it, it isn't, he should be the one that making this thing work out and it's not working out. And then number three is Kenny Atkinson. <laughs> there you go. Brian? Should we tie a bow on it, Michael? Merry Christmas, Brian. Happy holidays. All holidays matter, Mike. Can I just say, <laughs> that's funny. Mm-hmm. Can I just say to our listeners, I'm about to get teary out here. Wow. Now, 
Um, thank you all for sending in like amazing emails, uh, voice messages. The interactions on Twitter are all fantastic. Nick, I think you're being real sensitive this time. I think of year. we have the greatest listeners. I don't the entire... think I know we have the greatest listeners. Literally... I'll do you one better, Mike. I yeah. know it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't confirmed. Yeah. Thought processes. They're the best. Um, thank you guys. It's awesome. Mike we'll be... is actually getting teary eyed right now. I can see a twinkle, a little can sparkle say, in his eye. I watched the movie Molly's Game, which is like it's not it's about poker and a woman who controls a poker room. And I was like emotional. Wow. I, don't, I don't know Something's what's going happening. on with you. I'm going through menopause or something. But uh yeah. Brian. Mike. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Oh, thanks. Hanukkah's over. I actually did some Hanukkahing the other night. I, I lit a candle. I did some Baruch Atai Adonaiing. <laughs> just by yourself? Just, just, <laughs> just by, No, I was like, you know, I was there. Uh, we did it. Who were you with? Just some, people, some of my friends. That's good. What did you think of Hanukkah? Who are devout. Um, did you eat some latkes? No, it wasn't like a whole thing. It was just, you know. Just like some candles? We just crushed, crushed cheap beer, you know. Yeah. With some candles. That's the great thing about Hanukkah. It's a cheap beer holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be back with you sometime with a new pod. And thank you for listening. Thanks, Bye. everybody.